Hello, my name is Ken, and I want to welcome you back to Deep Waters. This podcast is brought to you by Applied Strengths Ministry, where we believe working together in our strengths is the effect of working out the will and calling of God in our life. The title of this message is Gorilla Bananas. This is episode three of seven. So we continue to move into categories I don't often hear talk about in a church. The good news is we're talking about them now. Sinless. I don't even know how to spell poof. But if I could, it should look like that. P-F-W-E-A-H. Did you say sinless, Ken? Yep. Oh, but you mean like after I can no longer be hurt because I'm dirt, right? Nope. I mean, based on the journey we are about to continue in, and like a cheetah chasing down a hamster at full speed, sin can do the same to you, and that you should not partake in its delicacies. I know you are saying that sin is horrible, Ken, but how can you describe it in such a manner? Because I agree that it is horrible, which is due to the fact that while we were dancing in it, God called forth his seed buried in us before the earth was ever formed, and we became born again while wallowing in it up to our necks. Some of us were under completely wallowing in all. So yes, it is horrible, but it has a side that is attractive otherwise if we saw it for what it really is, and all of it looked like murderer instead of truffles, we could easily avoid it in our own strength, right? I mean, who would want to partake in something that looked like murder? I know some do, but even they, if they could see the horrors that sin created and has created since its inception into humanity, they may even be so inclined as to avoid it. Let's look at just one example of why I use the cheetah image to describe sin. If you do well, as Genesis 4-7 states, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door, and its desire is for you. But you should rule over it. What, are you saying that sin is alive? No, that's not possible. Well, if you think so in the face of that scripture, and the fact that Romans personifies sin, then you haven't really been between the teeth of a cheetah. I have, and perhaps it's because I'm an overachiever. So in most anything I do, I got to do it lots and big. So I have been so bound up by sin, so tight, that I was sure God was in error when he stated I could be free from it. Surely I got to have some friends out there that know what I'm saying. If it's not you, then by all means, don't go getting yourself in the same position so that you can relate to what I'm saying. So let's look at God's word and get his take on it, regardless of what sin may be currently doing in your life. Remember, we were all in the same boat. The wind and waves scared everyone in the boat but Jesus. Romans 6.2 Certainly not. How shall we, who died to sin, live any longer in it? So does this sound like we have a choice in the matter? It is a bit disturbing to me that when I sin, I think that I had a choice in the matter. Some sins, not all of them. With one sin in particular, well under the title of one, something that I would describe as a principality with legions under it, that is, with many sins related to the principality. It is that one that is struggling to die in my own life. I have been relentless in working to be free from it, and there have even been times when I was sure for a duration that it had left the building. But time has thus proven that it was still crouching at the door. I hope and pray that it doesn't die at the six-foot event we all have to face. Surely I want to celebrate total freedom from it before that awesome event. Getting free from it that way would feel kind of like cheating. Romans 6.6 
knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, and that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. After so many years of fighting, after so many years of fighting, I can say that slavery to sin is exactly what it is. So take drinking, for example, or drugs. Addictions are easy to use as illustrations because anyone who was ensnared in the teeth of the cheetah knows the struggle and fight when made a slave to something. No hope of escape but Jesus. Do you see how much the value of the cross has when you get the chains broke off of addictions? A slave who gets set free having something brilliant to head into is always more excitedly exuberated than one who remains a slave because of the fear of what freedom might be like without the something to head into. Of this I am talking about heading into Jesus, a life spent with him, priceless. Hebrews 8.11 For if we sin willfully after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins. Hebrews 10.26 For if we sin willfully after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins. Yes, two different verses, but it does say the exact same thing. What? Double trouble? I really don't like it when God feels the need to repeat himself. Hey God, it was difficult hearing that the first time. Why you got to say it again and again? I believe in grace when I read this, and because I, like many of you, want to experience what it is to be totally free from sin, I am compelled to believe he has no bottom. Okay, so if this wasn't just a little bit disturbing, because you got it under wraps, let's see about John and what the heck he says about the matter. 1 John 3, 1 through 10. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called children of God. Therefore the world does not know us, because it did not know him. Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself, just as he is pure. So the first what I come across is that we purify us. Oh, how this seems to be at times so elusive of a task in these bodies of sin. But it is possible, and it should be added to the rest of the priorities included in this message. Why not, right? Whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. And you know that he was manifested to take away our sins. And in him there is no sin. Whoever abides in him does not sin. Whoever sins has neither seen him or known him. It is stacking up and John is not done yet. In verse 6 we see a key, abides. So apparently somewhere in the Bible it chats about abiding. So as to leave us with a sound definition of the abiding factor. I'm going to insert a scripture in the middle of another scripture just to make a solid point. How cool is that? Jesus states in John 15:4, Abide in me and I in you, as a branch cannot bear fruit of itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. That stated that we should abide in him always, that we not sin, right? Break a branch off a fruit tree and it produces no more fruit. It must be attached to the source that allows it to bear fruit. The branch cannot bear fruit by extracting nutrition from itself. It must draw from the stock of the tree. Jesus is our stock. And so if we abide, that is, remain attached to him, we will bear his fruit. Okay, back to 1 John 3, 1 through 10. 
restarting at verse 7. Little children, let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous. He who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whoever has been born of God does not sin, for his seed remains in him, and he cannot sin, because he has been born of God. John, in whom Jesus loved, says this. He dropped the devil and the seed bomb. I get he who sins is of the devil. I would reach out there and say that what John is saying is that we are acting like the devil when we sin. Now as born-again believers, God has a short memory intentionally regarding our sin. He is casting so much he should have been a fisherman. Wait, he was. He was. By the way, I needed to include these so that we do not lose hope are possible. Hebrews 8, 12. For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness, and their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. Hebrew 10, 17. Then he adds, their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. Isaiah 38, 17. Indeed, it was for my own peace that I had great bitterness, but you have lovingly delivered my soul from the pit of corruption, for you have cast all my sins behind your back. So back to John, verse 10. In this, the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is he who does not love his brother. Well, that's it for today. So is it any wonder that John is considered the apostle of love? Remember, it's not what you find wrong or disagree with regarding these messages, but what you can take away from it. Together, we can do more to impact the kingdom than if we work alone. Let's flip the script and kill, still, and destroy the works of the enemy and create space for the light of light to shine through in people's lives. Plant a seed and click on the like and subscribe button. Let's build this ministry together. Thanks and see you next time in Deep Water.